Edwards with the header. Xander Clark with the save. A strong left hand from Xander Clark to deny Ryan Edwards. Ball in from Levitt. Edwards with the header again. And once more, Xander Clark is there to deny him. Edwards powering a header on goal. And Clark does well to tip over. United trying to work a goal-scoring opportunity. Mulgrew with the ball in. Clipped back across. Pull it with the header. Clark with the save again. Xander Clark is determined to keep a clean sheet this afternoon. Did so well here to deny Peter Pollock with the header. Here is Harks going forward again. Into the box now. Crosses low. It drops to Pollock. Saved. Clark with the header. Saved again. Magnificent stuff from Xander Clark. And if St Johnston leave Tannadice with all three points, it will be the work of that man. Great double save from the St Johnston stopper, denying Pollitt against his former club as well. Well, he scored the winner at McDermott Park in August. Peter Pollitt between these two sides. Again, Clark made himself big to deny the Dundee United winger. Just seconds left at Tannadice. Could drop to Clark. Sander Clark yet again, and he's won all three points for St Johnston. Sander Clark's heroics ensured the three points travel up the Tay to Perth. Callum, congratulations, the first thing to say, just like your midweek game actually, it was an absolute cracker, wasn't it? Yeah, I think some outstanding saves by Xander Clark today, and it just shows why he's been in the Scotland squad, and you know, hopefully the Scotland manager's watching that today. The big keepers just walked past us, have you ever seen a goalkeeping performance like that? It was incredible, wasn't it? No, it was unbelievable. Um, how he's not in the Scotland set-up, I'll, I'll never know. He's been brilliant since I've came to the club, and that just proves it today, how, how good a keeper he is. Hello and welcome to the Xander Clark Appreciation Podcast. We're renaming it for the week. It's episode 37. I am joined by the man who had a bloody good time on Saturday by all accounts. I'd gone home because I am very sensible. Stanley Williams. You know, you got to see wins have been hard to come by, haven't they? And you got to you got to celebrate and you got to celebrate accordingly. Apologies to anyone who I met in Perth on Saturday night after the game. Just generally apologies. <laughs> but... No, no, no need to apologise. You are nowhere near as bad as I was before the Scotland game. What a pack show we've got tonight, Dan. All right, it's all going off, mate. Sam, I got to tell you, I got to tell you we got off. We've got two interviews. Two interviews? Well, I'm sounding surprised we've just done them. And they were excellent. I know, yeah, you just, you were we'll, part of the recording of them. We'll play along. I'll play along like I wasn't there. Who have we got, Dan? Who's first? Sam, first, we got a real, real treat. We've got to talk to us about the Hearts game and about the terrace, a view from the terrace and another very important subject, but we'll leave that for the interview because he tells it better than us. We've got Robert Borthwick. From off the telly? Off of the telly, Robert Borthwick. Telly's own Robert Borthwick. If you watch a view from the terrace on a Friday night or you'll know all about it, iPlayer, you can catch up all the episodes on iPlayer. It's, it's, it's good telly and covers Scottish football and it's not just based around Rangers and Celtic, which is a bonus. Well, I mean, that's always a bonus. But Robert, he's an absolute gent. And we had another, we're lucky enough to speak to another absolute gent, Sam. 
This is somebody who I've wanted on from the start. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago, my brother-in-law, William, went, oh, I've got this number. I know this guy. Do you want him on? I'm thinking, I have been doing this podcast for six months. How would we have not wanted him on by now? Why have you just told me his number? We have got former, ridiculously, former St. Johnston manager, and we banned it. The word gets banded about an awful lot. Legend, Alec Totten. Yeah, uh, absolute gem, but you'll find that out for yourselves later on in the show. Indeed. So, but we had two games as well. Well, we touched on Saturdays first. As our little intro suggested, it was the Xander Clark show. He was outstanding in our 1-0 win against Dundee United. And this is how the goal came about. Fuchs caught in midfield by McPherson. Chance for Ali Crawford. And he's curled it in from outside the box to give St Johnston the lead. Only a second away league goal for the Saints this season. It's a magnificent effort from Ali Crawford. His first league goal, Saints have been on top. Fantastic curling strike from the former Hamilton Ackies midfielder. Great finish, great win. Oh, fantastic, absolutely fantastic win. On, just on the, to be quite boring about it, it was an absolutely vital three points. We yep. desperately needed a win and they delivered, but it was, yeah, it, there's no skating around it. It was an absolute goalkeeping masterclass from Zander Clark. Yeah, a lot of Dundee United fans have been coming out on Twitter this week saying that they were all at them and they were terrible misses, but that's nonsense. Even if that was true, to keep out that many sort of attempts without one sort of wriggling through is still an outstanding goalkeeping display. But the important part of this is that absolutely isn't fucking true. <laughs> they weren't out. There was a series of outstanding saves. The double save he made, good grief. It was, I, you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember who the sort of two attempts on goal came from. But the first save was brilliant of the double. And then the second one, how he got up so quickly and then got back down again so quickly. It was it was tremendous. It was such a great save. And he, you just feel like he's at the he's at the peak of his powers. Yeah, he's been drought with, with wax lyrical about Xander all season and now it's coming to the forefront. Obviously a lot of people will listen to this after the Scotland squad will be announced, so we can't comment yet because we've not heard it, but he's got to be he's got to be in, surely. Yeah, partly because I'm not really that asked about who gets to train with Craig Gordon and John McLaughlin for a week. You do want to see people that deserve recognition get it. And, I mean, Gordon and McLaughlin are two that are going to be there. So really it comes down to Xander or Liam Kelly at Motherwell. And I'm not, you know, not being horrible here. Liam Kelly's not been in very good form. And Xander has. So it'd be a nice bit of recognition. Also, you know, we've got to start looking forward a little bit here. Because Craig Gordon, are you looking at Craig Gordon as the goalkeeper right through to the end of these sort of qualifiers, which is only two more games? And then the playoff, well, fingers crossed the playoff. And then with any joy, the World Cup. And I think that's only right. But you're going to need a strong backup in the first place. And also, by that point, he's going to, Gordon will be about 40 by then. That's going to be Gordon. This is Gordon's swan song. It's a total 
I imagine it's a total bonus for him that he's got back in because mm-hmm. he had sort of lost his place to David Marshall for quite a while. Um, to be honest with you, Steve Clark will probably bring him back the minute he plays one more game of first-team football. <laughs> but um, McLaughlin is actually older than a four anyway and isn't necessarily first choice at Rangers. you got to sort of have one eye on the future. And if Xander carries on this form, yeah, I mean... I don't think there's a particularly, aside from Gordon and maybe McLaughlin and then McGregor, but obviously he doesn't play for Scotland anymore. There's not, not a better keeper in Scotland at the minute. No, no, he's, he's excellent. But let's talk about the goal. Uh, Ali Crawford, um, McPherson nipped it off Fuchs, played it into Crawford who drove forward and curled a fabulous finish in the bottom corner. It was a better goal watching him back than I thought at the time. I thought it was a good goal at the time. but. It's he's tucked it right in the corner. Uh, goalkeeper was just grasping at air. He's bent it around the back of the defender, so it's a clever finish because the goalkeeper's unsighted. It was it was an excellent goal. I thought the build-up was really good. I thought Cammy McPherson did excellent to win the ball off uh, Jandal Fuchs. And yeah, it was an excellent finish from a player that continues to impress me, Ali Crawford. I'm, I'm a bit of a fan. And he wants to stay after January as well because he's only here for another two months apparently, but um, he, he wants to stay. I, I can't see that being much of an issue. I wouldn't, unless Bolton absolutely desperately want him back. But I don't, you know, I read a piece when he came back up, a very honest interview from from the guy. And, you know, it wasn't any disrespect to Bolton, but he was just so happy to be back, back home, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, sometimes it's just got to, Sometimes that really does have to come into consideration. And I'm sure he'd be delighted to stay. I'm sure everyone at Saints would be delighted to have him. He looks, he looks like, it's weird, he look, almost looks like part of the furniture. I know it's easy when you've just scored a goal and you're celebrating all that, but he looks he looks well-liked, if you get me. He I looks comfy with the team, eh? like he's been around the, the squad for a long time. And I think that's he's yeah. just fitted into the squad. It's hard to believe that he wasn't part of the stuff last year. Yeah. If that makes it, sense. I know exactly what you mean, but it's also good. It's a bit of um, not that we're lacking experience, particularly midfield, but it's just a bit. It's a guy probably says a midfielder, thirty years old. Is he thirty, thirty-one? He should be somewhere near his peak. So good on the ball. He's got good vision. I assume he's got good vision because he can pick a pass. <laughs> really well, I think that's what I was meaning to go with. It's not been by mistake uh, every time. You just got very, very lucky every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's seeing three things and he's picking the right one every time. Um, <laughs> no, he's yeah, and he's um, he looks to have a little bit of an eye for eye for a shot, eye for goal. Yeah, I I think he's been uh, I think he's been very good, and I think he'll be invaluable going forward. And hopefully, you know, I think first things first. Let's make sure we get him until the end of the season, get him beyond January the first, and then you know see how things progress, but he looks like the kind of guy that you could see see being around the place for, for a little while. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, touching on the game, uh, we'll finish up on, on the Dundee United match. Great three points, and I wrote a positive and a negative. Positive, I wrote Crawford. I wrote Bryson, who I thought, again, was excellent. Yeah, he was terrific. Like obviously, he was rested against a Hearts game. We'll get to that, because um, he knocked his absolute pan in that match, and he's a touch of class. He was spraying the ball around. He's... Harrowing, uh, harrowing, harrowing players all over the place. He's, 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 it's like a brand new player in the team. Sort of didn't realise how much we missed him. 
And it was no coincidence towards the back end of last season that once he got inside, and a bit, and you know, there was some stiff competition there by the end of the season, one position um, for that one position. But it was no surprise that he didn't let go of it once he got inside. And I thought he was excellent towards back in last season. I thought he was terrific in the cup final, Scottish cup final, I should say. I uh, thought he had a great game away at Easter Road in that sort of post-split bank of games. Yeah, it's good to have him back. Like you say, it's like having a, it's like having a new signing. And yeah, it's just a case now of trying to keep everyone fit, really. It is indeed. And I'll go my last negative, and I just wrote down pies. Oh, mate. I'm glad you brought this up. Right. I was deeply affected uh, last week by that um, by that cow that had made a break for it and then <laughs> the coppers shot it. Yeah, it got me that. And I didn't really fancy eating meat after that. So I'm, I also have worked out that you want a safe bet for a pie. I must be getting less adventurous in life, but you want a safe bet for a pie, just go for macaroni. So, yeah, so I went for that. Like, that really did upset me about that cow. Um, and then the pie, the scotchy effort that one of our mates, Liam, had. I, I can't quite explain it. It's like something you'd paint, Sam. It was like, like a plasterboard wall. Ah, uh, right. I thought you meant, oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. It no, was, I didn't was, mean you're like some sort of Vincent van Gogh. I was waiting to say, I'm like, who'd draw a picture of a, a shit pie? No, right. No, I can see how I phrase that badly. No, it, was, it, it looked horrendous. <laughs> To be fair, no cow was harmed in the making of that pie. I don't presume. No, no, it, it seems to be largely seems to be largely pastry and dried out old newspaper. <laughs> I went down and asked for a brady, and they went, "We don't recommend getting a brady." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk, talked out <laughs> of getting a talked getting a. I think you might have been down there, but I was literally talked out of getting a brady by the staff at work there. Now that is a concern. That but, is a concern. But I got a cheeseburger and, and the fact that it came in a tinfoil bag, oh, it sends my heart rate up. Like, you get them at Hamden, you know the ones that come in the white bags with, like, yeah. the, the metal interior, you know they're shit. <laughs> no, they're not going to be good. I mean, and when you looked at the other options, like, your cheeseburger didn't seem particularly appetising. Doris's pie. My cheeseburger didn't have any cheese in it either. How bad was the Brady if that was the thing they weren't recommending? <laughs> we don't recommend a Brady, but try one of these cheeseburger which is made out of honestly it was like a bush tucker trial having any food from that but we'll we'll move on Dundee United have been the worst food. was it worse than Hibs pies do you think different I don't know um without tasting it macaroni ones were all right to be fair so without tasting the scotchy effort I can't I can't tell you because it looked the complete opposite to that Hibs one the Hibs one that was raw and the Dundee United one that was completely the other way the Hibs one I'm also convinced was off uh, no, that's not ideal. But I don't yeah, know. The the Dundee United unedible Brady will will live long in the memory. But tell you what, won't live long in the memory. The Hearts game for a midweek, basically, because I slept through most of the second half. <laughs> You're having a disco nap. I was. Um, I genuinely thought I only fell asleep for a couple of minutes. Well, you might have done. I don't know. But what I what I really enjoyed is, and I should have twigged because you were you seemed a bit sort of, I don't know, how you, like you were just coming around for a nap. Evidently you were when I bumped into you outside the ground, but you were very, very quick to throw your child under a bus. <laughs> it's like, he slept through the whole, he slept through the whole second half. I'm like, good, he's, he's five years old, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he's more than welcome to do that. And then the picture emerges of 38-year-old. 
having a wee snooze. I genuinely, I'd spoke to John, the guy that took it, and my head was bobbing, and I think he's just caught me at the, at the, at the right slash wrong time. But one all draw with hearts, and this is what happened. Number of bodies in the six yard area. Front post it goes, there's the touch. And Gordon nips in at the back post, and he grabs the goal that puts St Johnston ahead. It's Liam Gordon's first goal of the season, it takes an important touch. It's bouncing towards the back post, and Gordon continues the run. Parker picking him up there at the back, but Liam Gordon applies the finish. That's looking to clear, there's a claim of handball. Gondwee brings it down, another claim of handball from the crowd. St Johnston trying to get it away. Beningame, he has it again, slips away Ginelli, looking to go around the cart. It's Ginelli, and he drills it into the back of the net. And Hartin McGlody in a level. Ginelli slides in celebration. Callum Davidson is furious on the touchline. Beningame slipped the ball through. Ginelli just held it. A good, a good point, certainly because they absolutely battered us in the second half. Oh, we're clinging on. We're at, we were clinging on at Sanadice as well. We failed to mention that. Yeah. There's been a couple of second half drop-offs, but another thing for another day. We were really good for, I, I think, first half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour, basically until they equalised against Hearts. Mm-hmm. That was probably the best we've played all season. And then it sort of didn't go particularly great after that. Their goal should have stood, though. No, there was two handballs and a foul in the build-up to it. But let's talk about this match in more detail with our first guest, Dan. That sounds a nice idea, Sam. He is a Hearts fan, which kind of helps when we're going to talk about the Hearts game. He was also doing the commentary for Hearts TV that night. You might recognise his voice from the Terrace podcast, a massively popular Scottish football podcast, or a view from the Terrace, the very massively popular Scottish football tele-programme on a Friday night, which is now a staple of every Scottish football fan up and down the country. So we'd love to welcome, it's Robert Borthwick. How you doing, mate? You okay? How are we? You all right, guys? Very, very you, well, mate? thanks. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. No, no worries at all, man. Thanks for, the, thanks for inviting me. No, no problem at all. We're just basically going to talk about how Xander Clark's better than Craig Gordon for uh, about 45 minutes, so that'll be fine. We'll see how we get on with that. All right, listen, mate, if it takes me all night, I will convince you that's not the case. <laughs> I did an Aberdeen podcast last week, so I feel like I'm I'm in the mood for talking to opposition fans just now. <laughs> that is it. How did you get, oh, how did you get on with that one? Well, the podcast was fine. Uh, I, won't, I won't talk too much about the game uh, that we were talking about, but uh, aye, it was, it was all good. You're a Hearts fan, Robert. Um, not been the best weeks. No, no, I, I will. To be fair, as a Hearts fan, I've had worse weeks. Um, <laughs> so I, I like to put the bigger picture or perspective into things. Um, but I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the game at McDermott last week, uh, and then obviously the the Aberdeen game on Saturday was the worst that we've played in a long, long time, uh, probably since the last time we lost in the league, which was against Queen of the South in February. Okay, uh, I, it wasn't it wasn't good at all. Um, but you know, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm looking at it as a blip uh, rather than uh, what we're going to be like for the for the remainder of the season. Well, we had one of them against Livingston a couple of weeks back, just one of them freak results where we got beat 3-0 at home at Levy. We just didn't turn up at all. So, ah, you get these games and then we go and scuttle uh, Dundee United. Um, right, let's talk about the Hearts game. You basically are the commentator and front face of Hearts TV. So you were at the match on Wednesday in an official capacity. How did you find the game? I, I was there in official capacity, which was fun because uh, our commentary position was right behind a lot of St. Johnston fans, uh, like directly behind a lot of St. Johnston fans. So. Were you one of them, Dan? Yeah, I was one of them, Rob. Yeah, that would have been that would have been my lot. So 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a good laugh. A good laugh. I'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, the, the game itself, like proper uh, game of two halves. I thought St Johnston started really really well. Um, I think like the the work rate of Chris Kane and uh, Stevie May uh, just absolutely put put Hearts off their game completely. Uh, allowed guys like Ali Crawford to come up and support and and win the ball high up the high up the park and and obviously affect the game that way. And we basically. We just didn't start at all. Uh, the the opening goal was was a, a joke from a Hearts perspective, but very well deserved from a St Johnston perspective, just because you know you had that spell of pressure where you were running the ball, you were getting set pieces, getting balls into the box, and and making us panic. That was aided by uh, Craig Halkett looking like he was drunk um, for for most of the game. And I just kind of switched off for the goal, eh, and just kind of let Liam. Oh, and you go, Liam. That's fine. Just go for a wee tap, and it was an odd one because he's usually Mister Dependable. That's how we see him as an outside kind of fan. He's always he's a decent defender. Ah, yes, yes, he's a good defender, and and you know that that goal I wouldn't just put down to him. I think Beningame, uh, who's had a couple of issues in the last couple of weeks, he's you know he <laughs> could have been sent off if uh, Gordon didn't tap it in at the back post. I think he handled it to to keep it out as well. So from that perspective, it was it was really poor. But the goal, uh, Josh and Ellie's goal, just completely changed the game from there on in. Hearts were in pretty much complete control uh, without really opening up St Johnston all that much. Um, couple opportunities for Nanby, but you know, from a Hearts perspective, you're looking at that and you're thinking it's two points dropped uh, because of you know how much we controlled possession thereafter. A couple of shots up and goal we did have, and Xander Clark making two really really good saves, uh, both from Nanby as well. So, yeah, I think you know I was unfortunate from a Hearts perspective. One of those frustrating ones, uh, just about punched the table in front of me when the full time whistle went because I was like, that's you know I haven't seen Hearts drop points to Dundee on the Saturday as well in very similar circumstances. It was a bit. A bit annoying, but you know you're, you're looking at Hearts and the progress they've made in the last couple of years, and you're, you're saying you know the performance is is just as important just now as the results. Um, so I thought we we played well after a, a really shaky start. Mm-hmm. Dan, yeah, um, pretty much agree with all of that, uh, Robert. Because I thought second half, thought when you say you punched the table in front of you, I think it was one of them weird ones. Hearts could have done with a game going on five more minutes. To be perfectly honest, because it looked like. In fact, the same with Saints on Saturday as well against Dundee United. Second half, really clinging on. But it's just a guy you mentioned there, um, Armand Angeli. I think, I hope I've pronounced his name correctly. Uh, uh, couple close, of, close, close enough, man. Close enough. Close enough, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of pals of mine that are um, big Blackpool supporters. Sort of split opinion, really, with them. What's the, what's the view of him from... Um, from sort of Hearts Faithful's perspective? Uh, splits opinions probably about right. I think um, it's quite hard for him because he's not really started many games this season because Liam Boyce has been absolutely brilliant, uh, you know, pretty much since he signed in, in 2019. Uh, sorry, I was, no, 2020. Um, and Boyce has been brilliant. So Nandri is kind of feeding off scraps a wee bit, you know, he's getting minutes here and there. We started the last couple of games, um, obviously that one at, at McDermott, which I actually thought he played pretty well. Um, he held it up nicely, got other players into the game and, and obviously had a couple of good opportunities. If it wasn't for Xander Clark making a couple of really smart saves, he would have got his goal as well. Um, it's tough though, because he's that kind of striker whereby Liam Boyce can create for himself a wee bit. You know, he's got that wherewithal and the touch to do it, but Nandri needs service. And when he doesn't get service, then he, he just looks like a spare part, basically. So, yeah, split opinions probably about right, but there's a lot of Hearts fans that just don't don't fancy him all that much. But I'm I'm willing to give him a bit more time, and you know you need the players around him. You need to be playing well for him to be able to play well himself. 
Oh, I'm glad there's plenty to talk about the second half because, as you know, Dan, me and the, the young lad had a wee snooze in the, the second half somehow. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how I managed that, but you need a wee five minutes. There was loads of comments saying, oh, you must have been pissed. Can't believe you've taken the sun drunk. Am I? Honest to God, hard day at work, sound asleep. Easily done. Were you, were you actually asleep? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, well, I, my head was nodding, apparently, and uh, the guy, my, my mate across, just caught it perfectly, but I must have been out for about maybe 20 seconds. <laughs> Superb. Oh. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a good picture. Enjoyed it. Yeah, delighted. Oh, I had a wee shave since then, because I looked, I've got a few homeless comments as well about that, but we will show... Hey, listen, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's nah, that's fair enough, to be fair. Um, who have Hearts got on Saturday? This Saturday, coming Dundee United. Uh, so it's third versus fourth. Um, we've kind of, you know, gone like for like with United in a weird way this season. We're both on the same number of points, scored a similar number of goals. And yeah, it'll be an interesting one because I think obviously United uh, losing at the weekend, Hearts losing at the weekend. Um, aye, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, I'm not going to be there. I'm, I'm absolutely gutted. I'm going to a wedding. Uh, and, you know, whoever chooses to have their wedding during the football season should uh, should have a word. But, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be a good game because Dundee United have been really impressed by it. I think Tan Clotch has done a, a, a decent job. And, obviously, Hearts have started the season well, but you could call it a, a blip uh, just now if you want. Obviously, no winning four games for Hearts. So, aye, it'll be... It'll be interesting, but I, I mean, I'm not going to be there, so I'll just be living through it on Twitter on my phone uh, whilst all my family get annoyed at me for not taking uh, attention in the weather. <laughs> for having the phone set up at the table. Um, exactly. To, to be fair, Xander Clark made seven or eight saves against Dundee United and won the game. Craig Gordon, the better goalkeeper, should do equally the same, so you're not going to concede against Dundee United. That's how it works, is it not? That is how it works. Yeah, yeah that's that's right. Uh, actually, Sam Clark said after the game when we beat them at Tanadice, um, he said similar things about Gordon than he did about Clark this weekend. I think he called him superhuman. Okay. Uh, some of the saves, I think he said the same about Xander at the, at the weekend as well. And I, I mean, Craig Gordon's ridiculous and Xander Clark just keeps getting better and better as well. So uh, hopefully, hopefully Craig Gordon continues to be ridiculous uh, and we can get the win. As a St. Johnson fan, we obviously have big massive chips in our shoulder about not getting players into the Scotland team. We have got nothing else to argue about. That This is our one gripe in life. Um, should Craig Gordon, we'll find out tomorrow, should he make the squad? Craig Gordon? Uh, Xander Clark, beg your pardon. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, should, should Craig Gordon? <laughs> uh, probably, mate. Uh, probably. Um, 100%, man. 100%. I was actually I was talking about this today, um, uh, completely separate from this podcast. I think Xander Clark should be, should be in the squad alongside John McLaughlin. Um, I think Liam Kelly is struggling a bit just now in a struggling Motherwell team, uh, whereas Xander Clark's on the ascendancy. You know, St. Johnston have strung a few good results together. Um, and he's making great saves just now and, and saves that are making headlines. I think that helps a lot when it comes to picking. And, you know, it is a second-choice goalkeeper, let's be honest, for, mm. for Scott. It, it does help when you're making headlines and you're, you're getting clean sheets. He could not have put himself in a better position uh, than, than what he did after that game on uh, on Saturday against uh, against United, but yeah, I think you know it's a wee bit. It's not dire straits just now looking at what's going to happen when Craig Gordon retires, but there's no huge generational talent coming through in goalkeeper if, if you know what I mean. So yeah, you've yeah. got the guy John McLaughlin who is aging, then you've got Xander Clark who is a very good goalkeeper, but is he international class? He's not been tested, so we don't know. Liam Kelly's in the same boat. Uh, Robbie McCrory, I'm not convinced by at all. Jordan Archer, I don't know if he's still playing football. Like there's all these, there's all these sort of like names of goalkeepers in the background. So it's interesting to see, and, and obviously friendlies don't really exist anymore. But I wish they did for people like Xander Clark, because then you could say, right, there's your cap. 
uh, how do you how do you handle the pressure and all that kind of stuff? But I 100% think Sander Clark should be in Scotland's squad. Yeah, fingers crossed for that one. Quick one, I know he's not a goalkeeper, but whatever happened to Akechi Anya? Here's another player that's just disappeared off the face of the planet. Where did he go? I think he, I think he just got old. Uh, was that it? Was he a really late call-up? Was he like 29-30 when he got a call-up? I think so. I, I actually have no idea. Uh, he's probably still on the books at Watford for some reason. You know, <laughs> that's how he's still there, yeah. Ah, it'll just never, it'll just never leave. Um, but no, I think like he was sort of in the same, the same class, if you want to say, as like Chris Martin and all these guys that came into the Scotland squad. There's another guy who's just kind of disappeared after scoring. Was that a last minute? I can't remember who it was against. It escapes me, but he's, he was a hero for about a week when he came on yeah. and scored and then disappeared. It was against Slovakia, wasn't it? That's right. That's exactly who it was. Ah, yeah, and it was actually, it was actually an own goal. And he claimed it. And was like, well, fair, but, you know, like, why not? Why not? That's this is one moment of glory. On your podcast, View from the Terrace, you people may have heard of it, listeners. It's probably up there as the best Scottish football podcast. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It is. It's good. Every season, you have a top 10 midfielders, defenders, strikers, goalkeepers. Who out of the St. Johnston team do you think may have a chance to break into one of these top 10s this season? Because Ali McCann was in it, and I think Jason Kerr was in it last season, but obviously they they, they left for peanuts. Aye, yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to bring up the transfer fees, man, so it's, it's all good. <laughs> um, Xander Clark, 100%, uh, will be in the, the top 10 goalkeepers. I have no doubt in my mind about that. I really like Callum Booth. Um, just yeah. the, the way that he's progressed in the last couple of years, uh, playing sort of left wing back or left back or, or, or whatever position you ask him to play in. Um, I, I think he's brilliant and he's, he's a player that when you look at the league and all the left backs who are in the league he's definitely up there you know he's, mm. he's one of these guys that maybe flew under the radar because of your McCarts and your Kerrs and your McCanns and all this kind of stuff yeah. but he, he for me is a, is a cracking player and, and as I say just seeing the way that he's progressed from like coming through at Hibs doing all right at Park Thistle and then obviously uh, coming into the St Johnston team and, and, and really doing well Sean Rooney if, if he can I'm just not convinced by Sean Rooney. There's something about him. I don't know why. He's just like he's he's an absolute like cult hero. But in terms of like the the kind of mistakes that he makes and the way that he dives into things, I'm like I'm not sure about him. So he has the odd effy moment every now and again where he'll be brilliant. For like I've got loads of friends actually are genuinely not convinced with Sean Rooney. I I like him because he'll get stuck in, but he'll bomb up and down the park. But again, I think he may lack a lot of natural ability. But right place, right time up front. He's a big massive unit. So. Um, he will be a cult hero two goals and a cup and two cup finals you can't really fault the boy but yeah whether um, as you say he's he's one of the better uh, wing backs in the league um, it's up for debate certainly even amongst St. Johnson fans Dan he uh, just it, it reminds me of Callum Patterson great big unit uh, really good in the air not sure what his actual position should be <laughs> like, <laughs> just stick him up front and he'll probably do quite well um, emergency striker like Kevin like, James get him up Ah, hundred percent, man, hundred um, percent. I've always liked David Watherspoon. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll he'll be a sort of top ten shout because there is a, a lot of you know good players in, in central positions and all that kind of stuff. And then um, Jamie McCart as well. Uh, I really like McCart. I think he. I mean, the chat was Hibs were going to go in for him. I don't know if they'll come back for him. I think they, I think they should because Hibs are awful at the back just now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, McCart is a, a another one that I I really like. There's there's a lot to like throughout that St Johnston team, and I think it's more about the unit that. Callum Davidson's kind of built there, um, and, and obviously Tommy Wright was was effective at doing that as well. You know, there, there's no like world class standout footballers in there, but the way he gets them working together as a team makes them an enjoyable team to watch. Um, kind of reminds me of Livy from a couple of years ago when they just ran over the top of people. It was all about work rate, 
you know, work harder than the other team and the opportunities will come sort of thing. So, yeah, there's a, a lot to like about St. Johnson. I think so. I think that's what kind of Tommy Wright had kind of installed into the team, that kind of thing. But Callum Davidson's doing the same thing, but making them play nicer football. So they uh, can't really uh, hit us with uh, all all Saints are a rugby team long ball merchants. Can't really hit us with that anymore because Callum's actually got us playing decent football. But hundred percent, I think you know Callum Davidson also has won one more trophy than Tommy Wright as well. So he's he's doing everything better now. (laughs) Can't argue with that, Dan. You had a point. Yeah, um, wasn't my original point, but I've just remembered that Callum Patterson was a fullback at one point, and that's that always amuses me. That so Callum Patterson uh, came through as like a, a right winger and then was put to right back and then was put to centre forward and then was put back to right back and then was sold to Cardiff as a right back who after two weeks went, he's no right back and played him in like the number 10 and then they were like, oh no, he's not actually good at football so we'll just put him up front. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, he's, he's actually, from right back, I think he scored just as many goals for Hearts than he did from centre forward just because he would just sprint forward and get himself in the box. He's... Absolutely, I, I adore him, man. I love Callum Patterson. Good guy. Um, we'll finish up. A couple of points on. Um, we'll go with you from the tennis. On obviously on the telly box now. You're on season four. I want to say. How are you finding it? There's a bit of a rotating panel this this year. Um, how are you finding it all? Is it a bit of a whirlwind? Incredible stuff. I, it's, it's it's always a whirlwind, but I absolutely love it, man. It's just like. It's one of those things like I can never claim that I, I dreamt of being on TV one day because it, it just wasn't a dream of mine. But now I'm doing it, I'm like, I want to do this forever. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. So, no, I mean, us four, uh, four or five idiots getting a chance from the BBC to, to go on the television every every Friday will, will never not be surreal. Um, it's it's a, a properly crazy thing that we've been allowed to do it. But no, I, I love it, man. And obviously the rotating cast as well, just because... I think, you know, you look for sort of diversity and, and opinion and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was kind of the thought behind it was, you know, the, the same four guys are absolutely amazing at what they do. Um, but if we rotate in guys like myself and, and Graham Thulis and and others, there's another new face on this week. Uh, I don't know if I should keep it a secret, but I will. I will. There's another new face on this week, uh, a well-known uh, Scottish comedian personality is coming on. So, yeah, it's it's really good, man. It's exciting. Uh, and, and obviously getting getting to spew my opinions uh, on, on television is, uh, is, is something that's, that's quite exciting. It's great. It was something I was completely lacking. Sorry, Dan, I've been interrupted. No, no, I thought, um, I thought you were going to say it was Gary Cocker coming on, Rob, an old mate of mine from uni, and then you said comedian, so yeah, that definitely rolls him out. Gary, um, Gary Cocker, who, who was unfortunately in charge of the worst interview of all time uh, on, on the television show when he, <laughs> when he had to speak to Oliver Bazanic uh, at Gorgie City Farm. Aye. Um, the farm, yeah. A, a, real, a real, honestly, like one of, the, one of the biggest highlights in the TV show's history was they were sitting on a bench um, at the Gorgie City Farm and he said, so Oliver, we're sitting on a bench right now. What's it like sitting on the bench for Australia? <laughs> Uh, God, like it just it completely the interview, but uh, no, unfortunately, it's not. It's not Gary Cocker. This oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you got Gary going around Gorgie City Farm, and you've got Fearless in the first episode baking biscuits with Stephen O'Donnell. So it's good to see my old my old pals doing well in the world. Um, no, the other thing I was going to ask, bro, is actually semi-serious. But are you involved in the um, production side of things as well? No, I'm not. I'm not. So I'm. I basically um, I work for the company that produces it. Yeah, uh, but in a completely different role. So I'm a I'm a creative um, at Studio Something. So we basically they give you a boring answer or a boring question. We've well, got a few yeah. different arms, but a, a few different arms to the business. And there's uh, the creative side, so working with like brands and businesses and stuff. And that's where I work. 
then there's an entertainment side that does the uh, the TV shows and the adverts for, for TV and all that kind of stuff. So I am basically just on on the TV show in front of the camera, but I'm not involved behind the camera. Yeah, because it is a it's another point because obviously putting out sort of an episode a week and so much work goes in behind that, but you all you all have full time jobs as well. Aye, yeah, yeah, we do. It's uh, that's kind of why we only do it in like ten week runs because right. otherwise uh, it's it's really tough to do it, man. It's like Folk have to take a holiday every Friday, every Wednesday, or they need to work the time back, all that kind of stuff. And it is, it's like, it's it's proper tough for the guys because you know it's a couple of days worth of research, a full day filming on a, a Wednesday, and it's like it's it's nonstop. Like the the script, so to say, the thing that we fill out every week comes out on a Friday, so then you've got the weekend to to fill that in, and it just sort of keeps going on a on a loop. So yeah, the the guys in in front of camera, we all have full time jobs, but the guys behind the camera, obviously, they're full time on the on the TV show to make sure that it goes out and to make sure we don't say fuck all that often. So, yeah. Well, that, that's why I've got, I had, a, I had a swear button at one point. I've now just got Shelly Kerr saying dirty things. <laughs> I don't know where it's gone, though. More fluid. Shelly Kerr saying more fluid. Yeah, we had a, 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 this is basically the TV version of a podcast. We basically, I wake up in the middle of the night shouting out random, six steps with Shelly Kerr, that'll work. And then just, I'll listen to old episodes of sports scene trying to get her to say dirty stuff. We're not quite there yet, I don't think. Don't think that's gonna don't think that's gonna work, I don't think. <laughs> An audience share of about three hundred people in Perth. Um Yeah, still. Um the next the very last point, um, know your time's precious and really, really appreciate you coming on. Um obviously you do Hearts TV in the commentary at Hearts. You're not responsible for the sound system or music going out on it. No. No, I'm not responsible for that. I I, I show up and I speak into a camera or a microphone and, and that's it. Good. We will move on. I will not. I will not follow that line of questioning any further. What, what point are you going to make? What, what was it? How did somebody end up getting the sash played over time, the Tin Castle Tannoy? Honestly, man, I have no idea. It was, a, it was an open day at Tin Castle, so I don't know if someone's just found where the the sort of PA the, the Tannoy announcement bit is and plugged in their phone and caused a bit of mischief. I'm not sure, man, but I, I tell you what, I mean, the, the fact that the media hadn't really picked up on it and then Hearts came out and denied it and then the media were like, oh, well, that's a, that's a tap-in. Like, absolute <laughs> freebie for them. Like, I didn't know anything about it until they came out with a statement on Twitter. Then I delved a bit deeper and somebody posted a YouTube link and if they just kept their mouth shut, they might have got away with it, but um, it was a good bit of shit housery, have you? Absolutely. I mean, it was probably like Andy Halliday or Jamie Walker. <laughs> so it's, uh, Right. I was just going to say, check your left wing back. <laughs> um, got one more point um, for myself, Robert. It's, um, I've, been, I've seen to have been playing the sort of straight man in this interview anyway, but it's um, a serious one and it's a, another sort of strand of work and all you've been involved with. And it's sort of a lot of people might have seen this on um, on Twitter, but the, the work for FC United, the FC United to prevent... Uh, suicide. Can you tell me a little bit? Tell us a little bit more about that for the people who might not have seen too much of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's um, we, we're working with a, a client called the National Suicide Prevention Leadership Group, uh, which thankfully is abbreviated to NSPLG. Uh, and last year we we came up with an idea studio, something obviously working in, in collaboration with them called United Prevent Suicide, which is basically a a movement to make Scotland the most supportive country on earth um, for for people who have lived experience of, of suicide. Um, and from that, basically, we, we saw that, you know, a, a lot of people were signing up and it was great, but maybe the the sort of 
the male demographic uh, wasn't necessarily signing up, uh, and, and we use that as a sort of jumping off point. You know, how can we, how can we speak to men in Scotland in a in a language that they understand? Uh, and, and through football is basically where we landed with that. So we've had some amazing people uh, sort of signing up and, and helping us out and and sort of interviews. And the whole point is just to get people talking. Uh, so we got Colin and Callum Hendry, uh, for example. We filmed that one at McDermott Park. It was when Callum was still a still a player at St Johnston, um, and that one was really effective and, and powerful because of obviously what they've been through yeah. in their lives. Uh, Callum losing his, his mum and obviously uh, Colin's wife. So, you know, getting getting people with a, a bit of profile to speak about things and basically encouraging other people to do the same. Uh, it doesn't have to be online; they can do it in their in their private lives, but. You know the, the the suicide rates in Scotland are, are awful, and they have been for years and years. So it's a really sort of it's a nice and worthwhile thing to be working on, and something that I've really really enjoyed working on um, as FC United because it, it's kind of seeing you know in real time the way that people are are opening up and, and supporting each other and and using football as the vehicle to do that. So um, no, it's it's been great, man, uh, and we've got hopefully a, a few more things coming out very soon on it as well. Uh, and we we released the the kit, um, so you know I think about eight hundred people have bought the bought the home kit, um, which means you know people will be wearing that at five, spreading the message, and it means we also raised a good chunk of money um, to to make sure we can keep doing work like that as well. So uh, no, it's been great, man, and uh, yeah, uh, shameless plug, but if anyone's not heard of it, it's at underscore FC United on Twitter. Uh, give it a follow and, and have a look at some of the videos we've done. Brilliant, uh, and on that you you did say the home top, which. I'm a big fan of because of a certain colour scheme involved in it. Now, St. Johnson had an away kit in 1996-97, which was half teal, half magenta. Now, it's kind of, I'm going to go to say that the colours on the, the home top is predominantly white, but it does have a, a wee hint of teal and magenta through it. So I am very, very much on board with it. It does. It's the it's the brand colours uh, of, of United Spent Suicide, but it's, it's one of those, it's like, Hibs have had a few purple and green away tops. Uh, that, that, infamous Air United uh, green and purple uh, away top which was very hit and miss with a lot of people where they, they brought out like a, a new a new version, version of, of it yeah that's it was, it was the exact same kit that we had but just different badge and different sponsor in the 96 but we've yet to bring it back uh, Air United didn't really do it with uh, too much success to be fair was that about three years ago two years ago it was rank I, I think it was two years ago it was when they got Hummel and, and they basically said I will we'll, we'll bring it back but it's one of those it's one of those that like you know it's it's boring brand stuff like there's, it's a brand color scheme, but then you see play like people coming out saying like oh, it's like the Air United kit or like ah oh, reminds me of Hibs and it's sort of like it's nice to see that, that the link between the movement and football is is really close now and people are sort of relating everything about it to football. So uh, no, that's that's great. That's a tick in the box there. It's a brilliant cause. And as you say, can you tell them the website one more time? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's predominantly on Twitter. Um, so it's at underscore FC United, uh, and from there. We've got a link to the the YouTube, to the, the website, and all that kind of stuff, and, and obviously clips that we've put on there as well. So, I uh, check it out. Brilliant, Robert. And very, very last point. A couple of weeks ago on your show, you were asked, "Can Hearts win the league?" Going on to the first of November, can Hearts win the league? I'd, why not, man? Listen, it's <laughs> any any team in the league should want to win the league, and I, I I get really tired of the Craig Fillers of this world who say, "Oh, it's only a two horse race." It's always going to be a two-horse race. Have a bit of ambition, man. Dream a wee bit. And it just makes football that wee bit more exciting, I think, if you actually think, yeah, why why can't we do it? I mean, would you guys ever have thought that St. Johnson could win a cup double? Never. All right, no. there, there you go. There you go. So, uh, you know, St. Johnson are absolutely the blueprint right now 
of teams achieving something which is seemingly impossible. And I absolutely loved that for, for St. Johnson last year, especially because you beat Hibs in one of the finals and one of the semi-finals. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, I, you know, that, that's a big reason why myself and, you know, for example, Joel Sked on, on the TV show are saying, like, hey, why can't Hearts win the league? Why not? Why can't Dundee United go and, go and win the league? Like, absolutely, like, you've got a dream, you've got to have ambition, and St. Johnson are the, the, the reason why this has been renewed uh, in Scottish football in the last few months. And on that bombshell, brilliant. Well, thank you. Well, really, really appreciate you coming on, Robert. Um, tune in Thursday, uh, Friday night, as you say, half 10 on the BBC Scotland channel, or I think about five to midnight on the big one. Yes, that is right. Five to midnight on the big one, usually. Uh, and then obviously you've got BBC iPlayer, mate. Uh, BBC is all about the iPlayer just now. So just, uh, just stream the absolute life out of it if you can't even watch it live. Get them numbers up. Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Cheers, guys. Thank Thanks you very much. Mate. Cheers. Take care, bud. See you later. Well, thanks, buddy. Bye. Nice guy. Oh, gent, absolute gent. Uh, pleasure talking to him about the game and about all the uh, the various strands of work that uh, Robert's up to. Obviously, with uh, the terrace and a view from the terrace, and uh, as we touched upon, work with FC United to prevent suicide. We'll post a like link up to all his workings on our Twitter page in the next coming days. But we really thank Robert for taking time out of his ridiculously busy schedule to come and talk to a couple of couple of fannies. Mean down. I don't think it needed clarifying who the fannies were, but yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> we are indeed fannies. Right, should we do it? Will we throw a feature in before we get to our guest? Yeah, go on, let's have a little feature. Right, let's do this one. What's the shop? Club shop of shame. What's the shop? Club shop of shame. What, what's the shop? Club shop of shame. What's the shop? Shame. It's the Club Shop of Shame, and we have featured some terrible items from the club shop of various clubs up and down the country, including the Melbourne City beer pong table and a pair of foam Upton parks from West Ham. We've covered them all. With the Liverpool bomber jacket at £500 was, was pretty special. But we're going someplace different this week, Dan. We're not going to a club shop officially. We're going to the old Facey B. We are going to the old Facey B. And, right... So what you might, you people might have seen this doing the rounds on the internet a couple of weeks ago, right? We're into a time of the season where it, it takes on a life of its own. We're into the, I'll be honest with you, sometimes strange crossover of Remembrance Day and Armistice Day and football. Sam, when we were sort of, when we first started watching football around the same time, sort of mid nineties, whatever. Do love the 90s. Yeah, we do love the 90s. When we, were, when we were doing that, when we started watching football, I always remember games around, like the closest game to Remembering Sunday and to Armistice Day and whatnot. It's, you'd have a minute's silence before kickoff. In fact, and then I'd be that. And I think there was a sort of quiet dignity about that, much in the same way of the quiet dignity of an old bloke from the Legion selling poppies. Sometimes they have a bugle player come out and do the... Yeah, yeah. Now they have the bugle player come out and do the last pause, which again has got certainly its most. What's probably sometimes takes it a little bit too far is when you get um, a sort of bloke dressed up as a poppy um, acting as the mascot for the game. That, <laughs> that maybe loses a little bit of its dignity. I don't think I've ever seen that, but I'd really love to. Have you never seen that? No. Oh, it happened. Terrible. Oh, it happened. And it's sort of... I wasn't going to bring this up, this item... Before we get any further, I've just, I'll have to put this out in public so I remember it. Idea for a feature. Terrible mascots. We'll come back to that. 
Get a note down. There you go. This is we'll come back. Listen to we'll Tech Chat five in the morning with a terrible feature idea. Terrible mascots. No, no. We'll feature terrible mascots up and down the country. I've got that noted down. Anyway. <laughs> so, but for some reason, uh, before the KPR Forest game on Friday, they had um, a minute silence and it's October. Um, for Halloween. And they had the poppies in the shirts. Anyway, this is all beyond the point. As I say, what you want, really, what I always feel is, this is just a personal opinion, but I always feel maybe the best way to mark this time of year is with a quiet dignity. And what club screams dignity, quiet dignity, solemn dignity, more than Rangers? Anybody else? (laughs) Oh, Sam, this is before you were seen. You're saying that. I feel this is before you've seen and I've explained to you. I cannot quite fucking believe the words that are going to come out of my mouth here. But the Rangers Football Club converted fire extinguisher with free optics on it. <laughs> oh, God, I've lost all the buttons. Oh, that was my spank the monkey. She's changed it. Yeah, just change it to the Pesson Lighthouse family. Nobody wants that. Think with that. I want the lighthouse. <laughs> well, that does, that does suggest a good time. Does right. not suggest absolutely spank the money. I'm going to have, I think she just tried to play funny buggers because I've overtaken her machine, her work machine. Which you have. Yeah, Lighthouse family. Ghostbusters is ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> Let, let's go back to the point at hand here. The, the Rangers FC fire extinguisher with optics, optics attached to it. Right, so I need to tell you, this isn't an official Rangers bit of merchandise. Which is a shame. Which is a shame, which is a shame in many respects, but also a bit of a relief. Yeah. Not not that I particularly, just I think for everyone's sanity, it's a bit of a relief. Um, I'm going to say it's come from Facey B Marketplace. But what it seems to have come from is, uh, judging by the bottom of the fire extinguisher, the Showbiz and Karen minibar. What the? What does that even mean? That's like that's like a genre of entertainment and a lady's name. Unless that's a guy's nickname, and there's a couple. His nickname is Showbiz. That'd be cool. What a nickname that is, by the way. I'm turning round to this. Yeah. <laughs> um. Right. And then, so it's got scenes of like silhouettes of soldiers on there, and then. There's a Union Jack and a Rangers badge. So that's like the top half of the fire extinguisher. Is <laughs> a phrase is a phrase you'd never thought you'd say. Oh yeah, yeah. But then we get to the really good bit. They've gone to the effort. Chobiz and Karen have gone to the effort to hollow out the sort of bottom half of the fire extinguisher. Can you can I'm you send, get, can you send me a picture of this? Yeah, I'm going to send you a picture. Um, and but I'm going to come back to that in a minute. The hollowed out bit. Oh, there so, it is. Yeah. So what we've got hanging off the sides of the um, of this customized fire extinguisher is a couple of optics. Don't do a mini bad, is it? No, no, I don't know whether it's a mini bar, but I don't know whether the mini bar. I don't. Well, it could be considered a mini bar. <laughs> I think that could be the point because it's got two optics on the side, so you can put whatever you want in there. Maybe vodka, 
Whiskey, Jack Daniels, Advocar, Perno. Don't put Perno in there, jam up your optic. Um, it's all Advocar, would it not? Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. So you've got, so you've got two optics. But Sam, Sam, I'm just getting a feeling two optics aren't enough for this. Not enough. Oh no, no way is it enough. So then we come back to the hollowed out bit, and you know what's in there? Another optic. <laughs> I've I've, wow. li- I've literally just found the article on the Daily Record website about it. And oh yeah, this will be the first time I actually get to hit you with the price, and you don't actually know. Oh, don't look it up. Let me surprise you. Is there a price? There is. John McNamara uh, used decommissioned extinguishers to create the mini bars, uh, complete with optics to the side, been flying off the shelves apparently. And if you want one of these, Dan, you are paying the best part of one hundred and twenty pounds. What? <laughs> that's amazing. 120 quid. Yeah. Yeah. That's the price of them. Wow. That is so bad. John's Facebook marketplace listing was shared on Twitter <laughs> by a baffled social media user. We are indeed all baffled by this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell people how to act, <laughs> but please, please, there are better things to spend 120 quid on than a customized sort of converted fire extinguisher it's terrible and deserving a place in the club shop of shame even though it's not like this is this is now the realms of terrible fan merch which we've seen up teen times i remember i seen a saint johnson mug on etsy for 22 quid with a fake saint's top on it it was rank rotten yeah and the kyogo badge oh yeah the the 100 racist kyogo badge it was it, it wasn't good <laughs> That could be a new it, thing. No, nobody came out. No, that reflected well on nobody. Shall we do a new feature then? So the club shop of shame will park it and just go for a terrible fan merch. We can mix them up. Yeah, unless somebody comes in and says the Dogger Saints hoodie. Ho oh, ho, we're not having that. The Dogger Saints hoodie, though. Go on. Has been described by an owner of the Dogger Saints hoodie as a finger beauty. Jim Eckleton, he's got it in an Italy at the moment. The Dolomites, there he was in all its glory. Yeah, we got a very nice message off Jim. Um... At the Dolomites in Italy, wearing his Dogger Saints hoodie. Mr. Worldwide. He is the pit bull of the Saints fans. Exactly. Exactly. Apart from the fact that Jim's got quite a good head of hair. He does. As do you, you got a nice beard. So, there's the Rangers FC decommissioned fire extinguisher turned mini bar optic set. Club shop of Shameworthy. You better believe it, my mate. We'll post a photo up so you can all see it in all its glory. But if you've seen anything on fan pages, Facebook Marketplace of clubs selling things from by, made by fans, let us know because we are honestly in the last ten minutes we came up with two new features: club terrible club mascots and now fan merch. This has been a, a worthwhile exercise this episode this week. I mean, it's it's organic growth of the podcast evolution, not revolution. Indeed, it is. But say you have seen something on a club shop, let us know. Send it in. We want to know. And if you have, one man, and one man only, can tell you how to do just that. And what to look for. Stan. Sam, listeners, I've got to tell you, I need to tell you. I've been thinking a lot about the COP26 this week, taking place in Scotland, in Glasgow, or your NBC News, Edinburgh. <laughs> Edinburgh. Did you see that? No, I did not. I still can't get uh, what NBC- Biden said, where he says, Glasgow. Glass cow. Um, no, NBC News have pitched up in front of Ed- um, pitched up in front of Edinburgh Castle. Useless. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 
So I'm thinking, this could be a historic event for Scotland. But then I'm thinking, it could, it could turn out to be a real earth-shattering, maybe the wrong expression to use there. It could turn out to be something that goes down in the history books for Scotland. And I'm thinking, who else goes down the history books in Scotland, specifically? Who else in football? Oh, right, football, sorry. I was going to say Mel well, Fisher. I, yeah, true enough, but I'm thinking iconic football club in Scotland. Iconic, iconic football clubs. And that's right. I know what you're thumping. You're thinking the same thing as I am. Dumbarton. Well. You're thinking Dumbarton, I'm thinking The Rock. Dumbarton. The Rock. <laughs> and that's right, listeners. Have you ever seen, have you seen it over so I think it's out there, I know it's out there. I'm yearning to know me, getting to know if it's out there. Have you seen it? You come and let us know. You come and let the boys know. So have you ever seen Dumbarton branded? Wrestling spandex worn by <laughs> possibly worn by Dwayne the Rock Johnson himself. I think it's out there. I know it's out there. I need you to come and tell us. I need you to come and let the boys know. And you know how to let us know. Uh, Dog is on Instagram, Dog is on Twitter, Dog is the contact section, and the old BCB. Stop entering competitions to win a spot on a cruise ship that doesn't exist. You'll get nowhere. It doesn't exist. So you know what might exist. Dumbarton FC wrestling spandex. From the rock to the rock. Woo! Get there! Live on ocean drive. Very nice. Shall we move on? Please. Let's. It's. Let's get another guest on. Yeah, let's do that. Let's. Quickly. A man who was manager at the club for five and a half years. That is a good length of time. Oh, it's, it's quite the tenure. A man that took us from Muirton Park to Britain's first ever custom-built all-seater football stadium. A man who, when he joined St. Johnston, took over a team that was third bottom in the lowest tier of Scottish football, taking him all the way to the Premier League and then winning Manager of the Year. What a guy. An exceptional figure in St. Johnston's modern history. And we're absolutely delighted to have him on the podcast. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Dogger Saints podcast, we love to welcome on former St. Johnson manager, Alec Totten. How you doing, Alec? You okay? I'm fine, thank you. I'm good. Finish your Zoom call. Is that all done? It's all done. I was actually about Walter Smith. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, just, uh, I was talking about Walter Smith. Go back a long way, really. And I beat her one year and, and uh, Walter arrived the same day. We had all his kids. His kids were the same age as my kids. And 10 days, we got to know each other and were really, really friendly. And um, I brought a book out and what he did in the forward and a cop to the Kelpies and uh, testimonially he brought a, a Rangers team through to play Falkirk and uh... Oh, lost him, call him back Hello Ah yeah, I hear you, I don't know what happened there you you, you kind of cut off there but it's yeah, it's been a massive loss for Scottish football uh, losing Walter Smith obviously you go well back did he not get your, your job at Rangers? He did, that's what I was saying in the chat there I says uh, when, uh, when I left Rangers um, Walter was getting my office so I left to be note in his desk, just uh, wished him every success, you know, and uh, so he did, that's right, he took over from me, um, uh, but I said earlier, I went to Ibiza before that, when he was at Dundee United, and I was at Falkirk, and he arrived at Ibiza the same hotel the same day, for 10 days, and about together, his wife, and my wife, and his two kids, my two kids, so we go back a long way, and uh, I said earlier, I, I brought a book out, Thoughts from the Cop to the Kelpies, and uh, he'd done a forward for it as well, which was, was great. So He certainly did. He also uh, did a... Uh, uh, was it Sir Alec did the other forward? 
Alec did another one, that's right. Sir Alec, uh, he did another forward, you know, which is, is brilliant, really good. So, uh, uh, Not a bad company. Uh, well, so we'll get, we'll get into um, a chat about your time at St. Johnson, but um, last little point on Walter Smith. Like you said, you shared a holiday together, but you also shared a courtroom, which you actually uh, talk about in your book. Which, well, which for our younger listeners uh, who might not be aware of the situation or what happened, um, do you want to pick that up very quickly? Yeah, it was Rangers versus St. Johnson at uh, Dermot Park and uh, with a few verbals in the, in the first half. And at halftime, uh, I went out the dugout because the two dugouts are uh, very close, as you know. So mm-hmm. we're both going up the, the tunnel and uh, a few verbals. And that, that was it. But the commander, he, he thought we were fighting. We are never fighting. Uh, Same with the boy. He's no football fan and off we'll have a chance to make a name for himself. So okay. obviously he booked the two of us. We thought we were going to say, oh, well, you two silly buggers are way up to the stand and out the way. But So he, he put us out of the ground. Where are we going to go? But David Sider came down and he took us to his house. And so there Walter and me sitting with a coffee. Uh, best of mates, best of pals. And, and uh, he said, Ethel will kill me. I said, well, Jesse will not be too happy either, my wife. <laughs> no, and, uh, not at all. So, but uh, uh, with a, a cup of coffee and that. And about six o'clock, we said, well, I'll be away now. We went back down to McDermott Park and all the... the, the Photographers were there and the television, everything. So, and we ended up in court in Perth and uh, passing Parliament, sitting with each other, and we're best of pals, you know. So, <laughs> absolutely crazy. I mean, I've done a lot of work for the, the police in Perth, and and uh, a lot of them. But when the boy <clears throat> in the tunnel, one of the policemen was uh, taking my name, and it's like, I've got to take your name. He was shaking like a leaf, and uh, so I'm told to do this. And this commander guy, I mean, uh, no interested in football, wanted to make a name for himself, so. Oh, Rangers manager and that, but, so that was it. So just trying to. Uh, help. But I say we, we ended up I say in uh, Davy Sidey's house and still have a cup of coffee, best of pals. You know, I mean, <laughs> like everybody else. I mean, you're very passionate about your club. I, I was at St Johnson, he was at Rangers, and that was it. A few variables were flying about, and that was it. So, uh, but anyway, a bit of common sense. When I say, I'll tell you what, we have the stairs and sit in the director's box and end of story. That's it. But oh, uh, it was a chance for him to make a name for himself. You know, that's... big man. So there you are. Okay, that's enough. He couldn't have. The managers arguing is part and parcel of football. You think it happens in every ground in the world, but um, it's been almost 35 years since you were manager of the club in 87. Saints were third bottom of the bottom tier of Scottish football. Jeff in charge. Uh-huh. You were flying high at Dumbarton, just missing out in promotion. Um, I think Dunfermline pipped you um, by about three points, I think, going into that. Uh-huh. Um, St. Johnson came calling. A, a big, a bold decision to, kind of, to come to St. Johnson at the time. You know, so Phil Fraser was the chairman, he didn't want me to go, and uh, a couple of journalists, Jerry McNeefer, one of them gave me a bit of stick, leaving a team second in the, the first division to go to a team in the, the last division, but I always felt that I enjoyed Dumbarton, but we could never get a big crowd because they're all going across the Erskine Bridge to Ibrox and Parkhead, and of course. I felt if I go to Perth, I've got Perth to myself, I can make a, a really go at this, you know, because St Johnson with Willie Ormond obviously was a really good side, and mm-hmm. I'm saying to myself, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a good chance, plus the fact, Jesse, that a possibility, a possibility, a new stadium coming off as well, Alec. You know? So, so I'm at Cumbernauld, I'm in Alec Campbell, the vice chairman, and really persuaded me to go to, to, to Perth. And uh, well, it's, it's, I said before, it's the best move I've ever made, really, to be honest with you. I've had six senior clubs as a, as a manager, but that was the best, without a doubt. You know, it was great. So, so I went there, you say, there were language in the in the last division and uh, so I had a, a couple of trial games and I freed 11 players a whole team because obviously if they're in the last division so things are not right mm-hmm. and it's not the right players so 
uh, I freed 11 players and had a few uh, uh, trial matches and that, and assigned uh, quite a few players, you know, to, to try and get the club going. And uh, obviously, it, will, it proved successful, to be honest with you, at that particular time, you know. So, um, players like uh, St. Big Al McKillop and Tommy Coyle, of course, you know, Kenny Thompson, uh, Stevie Mascari, uh, Gary Thompson, Wally Waters, Danny Powell, uh, Grant Jenkins. There's about eight players assigned and to try and get things going. And of course, something turned around that happened. It was brilliant because we got promotion. And uh, because Muirton, it was a great pitch, you know, big biggest pitch in Scotland. But um, like I so the stadium, the stand was, was faulting a bit, really, you know. So, mm-hmm. But uh, the, the great thing, that day we got promotion. Uh, Derek Johnson was there, an ex Rangers player, and, that, and he was working with Radio Clyde or something. But he threw Jeff Brown, I mean, in the, in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> so he was ended up soaking in the bath. But obviously a happy day because... Uh, because we, we won, the, we got promotion, you know. And the funny thing is, Air United won the league and we played each other three times. We beat them twice at the, the three times, but they pipped us with a couple of points, you know. So Damn, um, that's it. Uh, it was great. I mean, the first season, you, to get out of that division, it was, uh, it was wonderful. And the players obviously played their part and uh, the crowd was great. They were right behind the team. So it was an exciting time. Yeah, as you say, some of the players you bring in, um, some of our younger listeners will even like, Likes of Alan Moore, Roddy Grant, and uh, we actually spoke to Sergio Baltach on the podcast uh, maybe about two or three months ago. What an absolute gentleman of a man he is. Brilliant, yeah. Um, he did say, well, obviously, like with other circumstances, when he left the club, he had a fallout with the then manager at the time, John McClelland. Um, I think that oh. must have been fairly common, a common thing to happen. Well, that's it, really. I mean, uh, I brought Big McClelland to. to uh, St. Johnson because I knew him in the Rangers days but I mean uh, when I got the sack I knew and I learned later on anyway way behind my back you know and uh, because the day I got the sack when Jeff Brown was there <clears throat> I got all the players in the dressing room and uh, no McClellan and who should have been there because a player mm-hmm. and of course uh, and I told the players they all come to my room uh, Matt Trainer and Alan Moore and Paul Wright and that. I said that was that big so-and-so McClellan you know and well I found out later on it was he's behind my back you know I normally got a number two and he's you know, you're in the same wavelength. You're, you're mm. the, you know, you're all for each other, but not, not him. So it was a bad appointment. It's the only time I was 22 years a manager, but it's the only time uh, a number two has been behind my back, you know, and stabbed me in the back. And well, that happened that time, you know. In fact, he was going to bring a boy for Watford who he played with, and the boy came up and says, uh, "I didn't realise that, you know, the feeling for Alec Totten here. This is this is not for me. He didn't he come? You know, all so right, that, based on I that. Don't think it, I, uh, I don't think he lasted too long as manager, so so there you are. So. Have you ever have you spoke to him since? Oh, I never know. No, no. no. He stays in Leeds now. Um, I, I don't know what he does. I'm not interested anyway, to be honest. No, just one of these things. Um, nah, it's, karma came and kicked him in the arse anyway, to be fair. Like I said, didn't didn't last long as manager. Um, no, I did not, no. So, so well, all ends, all well, ends well. During your time at St. Johnson, um, you brought through a couple of youngsters. Danny Griffin was one, I know Philip Scott, I should say, who was a local yeah. lad, um, and Callum Davidson. I wonder what ever happened to him. <laughs> a good question. I played the, the St. Johnson golf day at Ailith with Callum, you know. But what happened was my, my, grand, my son played with a team, a Larbert team, uh, was it Stirling? Playing a team from Dunblane, and I couldn't take my eyes off this boy in the middle of the park, young boy, box to box, strong as a knock. So I says, I'm going straight to his house to sign him. So that night after the game went up, and I signed the first in Johnson when he was 14. And um, well, the rest is history. I waited Blackburn 1.7 million, and 
Uh, I sent him a couple of texts. He's won the cup and that, and two cups. And he says, "Well, I, I wasn't a bad signing. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. I've done no too bad since you signed me." And that's what he says in, in the text anyway. So, but a lovely lad, uh, clever at school, uh, good at football, good at golf. <laughs> Just one of the guys, yeah. you know, one of the lads, you know. So, uh, lovely lad. He's he done done very very. We're really pleased for him. To be honest with you, you know, and I see I played at Ayrlith at St Johnson Golf Day, met some of the ex boys and that, so it was good. Ah, that's good. Um, sorry, Sam, can I just jump in there? Of course, you can, Dan. Uh, yeah, just a quick one, Alex. You just mentioned that you saw him, you saw him, uh, Callum play, and you thought, I've got, to, I've got to sign him. Is it sometimes just sort of as simple as that when you see a player, you know, to an un, sort of untrained layman like myself and Sam? But for you as a football man, is it sometimes just you see a guy playing and you're like, that, that's it? You know you, you know there's a player? Well, well, that's it. I mean, the thing is, I mean, if you're a manager, you've got to have an eye for a player. It's as simple as that. A manager is judged with the players he signs. It's as simple as that. And that's why I was quite fortunate at St. Johnson that the players I signed did very well for me. They've done great, you know, from the last division to the Premier within three seasons right up. I mean, fantastic. So it's not about me. It's about the players on the park. So obviously the ones I signed done very well for me, done great. And uh, so I think that's part and parcel of a manager's job to, to know a player when he goes and watches one. Sometimes a player gets recommended and you go to a game, but someone else takes your eye. So wait a minute, mm. he's a good player. So um, so that's that's what happens. But I say luckily enough for St. Johnson, um, I say it was uh, assigned, I, th- I felt assigned good players and I think it proved at the time I was there, you know, second division, the Premier in three seasons right up and which is fabulous, you know, the, because remember when I went to St. Johnson initially, you see all you know, the kids going about with Dundee United tops on or, or tracksuits <laughs> and Liverpool or Rangers Celtic and it really annoyed me that we went to Premier League and you seen kids like say going about, you know, with the, 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 the St. Johnson tracksuits which was brilliant and I was chuffed a bit. I remember, um, I got a car from Dixon's of Perth. It was a Rover. So if they get promotion, Alec, we'll give you a Mercedes, which they did. But on the side of it has got um, Alec Totten, manager of St. Johnson, provided by Dixon's of Perth. And I'll forget, one day I was in Perth and I was driving, and this wee girl, her mum and dad, a St. Johnson tracksuit, and I sounded the horn. Oh, she's jumping up and down. She really <laughs> chuffed the bitch. It was great. You know? so, so that was a great feeling for me that the kids now, we're, we're recognising we're, we're a good team and, you know, St. Johnson tracksuit rather than, like, say, other teams, which was which was great, you know. So it was, uh, it was, it was brilliant from that point of view. It really did kind of kick in the, the feel-good factor back, uh, back around Perth because what could have happened in the mid-80s is the team could have folded all together, could be in the next third Lanark, so to speak, and just disappear off the football well, planet well, altogether. Well, well, that's right, because uh, when I got manager of the year, um, 1989 and um, we were at Grovner in Glasgow David Cooper who was at Rangers when I was there he was player of the year I was manager of the year and I'll never forget I've got 400 journalists here 400 people and Jeff Brown was sitting next to Billy McNeil and I said you know it wasn't for Jeff there there wouldn't be no St Johnson he put his money in I think it's about 300,000 and saved the club really so that's why it takes enormous credit for what he done and uh, but I gave him a good mention that then he thoroughly deserved it. He did really well. So you say I could have went the opposite way when I went there. And I remember the fans they went a meeting with me. So I said, Totten, you're going to get us promotion. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a hundred percent and everything I do, and hopefully everything will work. Well, it did, of course, you know, which was great. And that uh, was uh, I loved it at Perth. It was fantastic. It was a great city and great people. And 
when I think when we won the league in the open top bus and and of course the reserves won the league as well. So two cups on top of that bus. I mean they were in there and they thought we'd won the European Cup. My <laughs> goodness, there were thousands there and it was wonderful, great feeling and uh, it's uh, it was it was really superb. And going on thirty odd years ago, there was a poll uh, came out maybe a couple of years ago as the greatest ever match at McDermott Park. You were in charge at the time. Probably the one you know we're going to talk about. It's going to be the Airdrie game, uh, the three-one victory, which pretty much was the the battle of who was going to be promoted. What's your memories of that day? Oh, fabulous! Uh, the BBC gave me a, a tape of the whole game, so I watched it back and forward. It was a, a wonderful game. It was tremendous. It was a full house, beautiful day. And Dougie Donnelly was in the studio. It was uh, Alexander was the thing with the BBC commentator, and he uh, says, "What a lucky man to be there because we murdered." Airdrie that day, and yet they scored. The boy graded a 25 yarder, and uh, we've done everything. I think we would work about three times, we couldn't score. That's right. Yeah. And of course, the time's gone on, and uh, about 10 minutes to go. And Big Roddy, and uh, what a header it was, it was brilliant, right in at the corner. So one each, and, and uh, then we got a penalty. Uh, Steve Marsh pulled down, and of course, uh, Mark Trainer, cool as a cucumber, you know, he just started it away, and we Kenny Ward to make it 3 1. And when everybody's leaving the the ground, they heard the sound in the horn. Somebody's like, Italy. It's like, uh, you know, they're sounding the horns. Oh, what a noise. So that was <laughs> the game, the best game I was ever involved in in football, to be honest with you. And, and uh, but end to end, and but folk, uh, sorry, folk, but uh, St. Johnson that day thoroughly deserved to win. And uh, of course, because of that, um, like say, Airdrie collapsed, and St. Johnson went on, of course, to, to win the league and down at Air United. Because I remember, Norrie Martin used to be in goals with Rangers, but the rest of them, down in the um, down in the in air, and mm. I said, Norrie, I said, we come for a pre-match meal. If we win, we'll be back. If we don't win, we won't be back. <laughs> we won that day two nothing. And I remember the final whistle. I went right round the field, shaking all the St. Johnson players' hands. I think there were about three or four, five thousand there that day. And and the and the thing with the, the, the stadium and the boys threw Betty painting me in the bar. The bath was red hot. He forgot to put the cold water. It was cold with the two. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and the boys are jumping about laughing. And, and they, but of course, go back to Norrie Martin. We went back to the hotel because we won. And the boys ended up my wedding. We were on the dance floor with a wedding and everything. And, <laughs> and, uh, and the boss came back to, to Newbridge. And my wife had to come and get me because obviously I had a really good drink. That day. <laughs> a couple of beverages. It was fantastic. Oh, it was brilliant. But what a day. You'll never forget it, really. You know, the day we got promotion and. And uh, it was uh, Paul Cherry and Lee Marsh, different class. And the boys done great. They done really, they done the club proud, to be honest with you. I mean, some of the football they played, attacking football. I was 22 years a manager, but I also had wingers, you know, taking men on, like me, Moore and Maskery, and it's exciting. And uh, they're a good side then. Uh, my son and my brother-in-law my dad never missed a game in six years. I was there, you know, uh, right to the lower divisions all the way through. And they're saying, Saying what a team, you know, it's so exciting to watch, fantastic, really, and that's what it's all about. People go to be entertained to see goal with instant, to see goals, and I try to provide that, and the, the team provided that. They've done great. I mean, that year they got promotion. I think they scored eighty odd goals or something. It was fabulous, you know. But but that was a turning point was there because they were above us, beating Airdrie that day. That was the game, as you say, it was probably one of the best games ever. Um, with St Johnson's history but I mean what a game for the fans oh my god it was you think nothing's going to happen 10 minutes to go still doing one nothing, and all of a sudden they score three goals what a finish you know so Dougie Donnelly was raving in the in the <laughs> BBC studio you know I said my god you know 
Uh, lad Alexander was commentating what a game he bat, you know. What a, as a great advert as well for first division football at the time. Um, you mentioned them uh, briefly a wee slip of the tongue, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them. Um, you were working up with Falkirk until quite recently, uh, until you retired this year. Congratulations on that. Um, how are you spending your time? Plenty of golf? Playing of golf, I playing a lot of golf. I, I'm a member at Glenbervie for uh, 35 years, so I'm playing golf, you know, weather permitting, maybe two or three times a week. And I've been at Loch Lomond, very friendly, big Gordon Sherry's took me to Loch Lomond. I've played the old course, and I'm going to North Berwick to play on Thursday, so I'm just trying to play as much as I can. If I'm not doing that, today I was away walking uh, around Stirling, and you know, so I'm just trying to keep myself fit. Well, I must admit, I'm enjoying when I, I was in furlough with Falkirk, so it gave me a wee taste of retirement sort of thing, and I'm 75 now, and I was 20 years with Falkirk as a player, as a manager, and 20 years of the commercial, so. It was time to call it a day, really. Uh, so, but so far, it's uh, I've really, I've thoroughly enjoyed my my retirement. Brilliant, very very jealous of that. Falkirk's fortunes. Will there be an upturn? Surely. Well, I've got to be because the last few years have been very very disappointing. To be honest with you, you know, I mean, uh, we can get crowds of four and five thousand, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's about tenth biggest in Scotland, I think. You know, but again, you have no divine right. We've been in the Premier League before, but. I've got to get, try and get back to the championship first and foremost, and hopefully we can do that. You know, and uh, I say it's, it's a, we're full time. The majority of teams in that uh, that league are part time, so we've got to, Paul Sheeran's a manager, of course, a former St. Johnson player, and right, done very yeah. well with St. Johnson. Nice lad, and in fact, a chairman says Paul would like to meet you. I like, that's great. So we met in Falkirk in a, a restaurant, and we were there for about two hours talking about his career, and my career, and and the uh, nice lads. So hopefully. He's going to be successful, you know. He was Aberdeen taking the young kids and that, but um, hopefully he'll do the do the business of Falkirk. Brilliant. Is that behind the wall? Is that where you went for lunch? Uh, behind the wall. But funnily enough, uh, at the Queen's Park game last month, the chairman said, "Pick a game, Alec. We want to sort of celebrate your retirement." So it was the Queen's Park. There were about four and a half thousand there, and I got I went out and got a standing ovation to the fans and. Which is brilliant, really, and a lot of good gifts for people in that. It was tremendous, and the, the chairman said a lot of nice words. They go away to games, and they're always asking, "Is that like Totten here?" And that same night, buying friend behind the wall, he'd do for me. And ninety people it sold out; they couldn't get tickets. So oh, between walking out the Queen's Park game and getting a standing ovation and going to Brian Flynn's behind the wall in the in the Saturday night was, was wonderful. It was a wonderful day for me, really, and one I'll never forget. To be honest, it was really good. It was great. Nothing, nothing more you deserve. I'm sorry, I've always had a soft spot for Falkirk through obviously William Hogan, who was a community coach, and my wife Lynn, who's um, William's, uh-huh. William's brother. They're both, they're originally from Slamannan. Um, yeah. Well, no, so I've always I've always had a wee soft spot for Falkirk. The boys have both got wee Falkirk kits as well, which the club gifted uh-huh. them, which is great news. So, sorry, yeah. is, that your, is that your house one? <laughs> My wife's going to get it, you know, but it's like I took Falkirk to the cup final in 1997. Mm-hmm. It was the first time for 40 years it'd been the cup final. It was great, you know, it was, it was fabulous. It was, it was, it was a great day. The images of you in the kilt will live uh, long in Scottish uh, football history. Oh, that's it. Well, it was the first manager to wear a kilt, uh, which, is, uh, which is great. I was very proud that day walking out and uh, Jock Brown, the commentator, says, I like Tottenham resplendent and the Falkirk tartan, which was nice. You know, we beat Celtic in the semi-final over two games, which is great. Then, of course, Kilmarnock beat us one nothing. but I felt that, you know, uh, we scored a goal and it was chalked off. Uh, I'll never forget Sandy Roy, he was uh, the linesman and it was proof to this day that he was onside Neil Oliver when he scored, so that's annoying really, but uh, that's, that's how it goes. Sometimes you get the break, sometimes you don't, you know, so. 
That's it. Um, but we'll go back to, to St. Johnson just to, to wrap it up. Um, obviously, five and a half very successful years came to a bit of a, an abrupt halt. Um, a surprise to everybody, probably, well, not more so than yourself, I'm presuming. Well, that's it, really. You know, it was disappointing because we won defeat in eight games. I think we were lying about sixth or seventh in the league, really, but Jeff felt we needed a change, you know, so that was it because that day came in and I've never slept all weekend and, you know, he says, I just feel it's time we part away. So I went through the dressing room and the boys were like, a tracksuit on, just my collar and tie. And I thanked the players for what they'd done for us. And and um, so they were astounded. I said earlier, they come to my room and said, hey, that was a big so-and-so McClellan, something to do with it. But that's what happened. I came home that day and Chick Young was at the front door with the BBC. Um, you know, like, so the the, the, the the papers were there. And my phone never stopped for about three days. And, I got about 400 letters from people all over Scotland. and So, yeah, but I said that I arrived with dignity and I left with dignity and that, that's what it's all about. That's happens in football at times. and So, uh, but um, I say it was just uh, so disappointed, really. But, uh, but again, uh, they had a dinner for me in Perth, which is great. Uh, I got a lot of a lovely presents and a lot of great letters. And I remember one guy in the Persian advertiser, he says, what they got in common? John Lennon, John F. Kennedy, I like Tone. I always remember where I was when I heard the tragic news. That <laughs> That's quite about a, right. Quite a, <laughs> uh, quite, a, quite a letter it was that he put in the, in the Persia advertiser, really, you know. So it was a shock, no doubt about that, because I loved it there. It was great. It was a great club, great people. and, and uh, But I say that's, that's football, you know. It's uh, Alf Ramsey won the World Cup. He got the sack eventually. So sometimes you've got to move on. But since then, I say um, I went to East Fife and I went to, in fact, the first East Fife game, there were people there with St. Johnson flags, you know, and things like that. It was great, really. I mean, really, I, I, you know, I, I thanked them most sincerely. It was, it was fabulous. And then after that, I went to Kilmarnock, of course, and back to Falkirk. And six years with Falkirk, took them to the cup final. And uh, so, to that point of view. So, my, 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 my career continued in management, which I was pleased about, you know. So, after some of the things that were said about me, you know, so, but... I say, these things happen, you know, everybody's making decisions sometimes, you, you don't agree with it, but you just go on your life, really, and I say, but I always have a, a great, you know, soft spot for St. Johnson, it was a, at six years as a manager, that was the best time, without a doubt, it was, it was great, it was wonderful, you never fell into places, Paul Cherry says, that era will never be repeated, you know, which is probably true, you know, it was great, from the new stadium, Mewton Buck Dermid, and wonderful. It was like, well, when we told our friends that we were going to be speaking to Alec Totten, like there was, everybody was so excited, like 30 years ago as a manager and you're still, the legacy that you've got around the club is still incredible. Uh, one of my friends, mum, Evelyn and Anne, the golden girls on the, the on the, the turnstiles was, were excited that you were coming on. Um, but every, everybody still, who's still up there, who still remembers you fondly up there and you'll never be forgotten the time you spent with the club and from where we started to where we ended up, or we just as a St. Johnson fan, we just want to thank you for that. Uh, it's Alec Campbell, I was talking to Alec Campbell, the vice chairman, and, and he was saying that when I grew in Perth, like people our age, you know, always talk about yourself, and and uh, which is uh, it's really nice when you, when you hear that, really. And I remember I really I played it in the big Angle Zine and had a reunion. I went in and big, big Gilly said to Tots, they're still talking about you in Perth. Well, I never forget he said that, you know, and he's a lovely, I used to be, his house in Cooper Angus, when I played with Dundee, he used to go to his house and that, you know, and, and I was talking to Derek McInnes as well, and he said that one time, it was a Falkirk game, he said, like, they're still talking about you in Perth, so it's nice that, you know, it's uh, to that point of view, and I said before, and 
Uh, I done my very best for the club and was successful as far as I was concerned. Manager of the year, which is brilliant. I mean, I got the manager of the year, 1991 and 92, got the sack. You know, so it's amazing how <laughs> football can turn. Eh? You're manager of the year in Scotland, above the Rangers and Celtic managers, and and yet next season you're getting the sack, sixth in the Premier League or seventh. You know, and but anyway, that, that's what happens. It's, it's it's a great game, but it can be the cruelest as well sometimes. Absolutely. And if you want to read more about this, I got a copy of it yesterday and uh, read through the St. Jordan's chapters, but I will start from the beginning. You can get your book. It's still available. That's great. Is that the, the copy of Cop, the Cop to, to the, the Kelpies? Kelpies. Yep, that is still available. It's available on Amazon. I got it yesterday. It's a, it's a, it's a great read. Even uh, for a St. Johnson fan, there's some great chapters in there. But if you want to read about his whole career from Falkirk, uh, Liverpool to Dundee, the whole thing is in there and it's Brilliant. well That's worth great. getting. Great, that's so much, and I appreciate that. It's lovely speaking to the both of you. No problem at all, Alex. It's been an absolute Absolutely pleasure. Alex. Thanks for coming on, Alex, and we'll hopefully catch up with you again sometime soon. See you up in Perth. That, that'd be great. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks Thank again, you. Alex. Cheers. Now, see you Thanks later. Bye, Alex. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. What a bloody lovely man and a gentleman. Ah, uh, gent. A really nice guy. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to Alex, Alex there and listening to his uh, to stories, and he's got a few to tell, hasn't he? He does. Get the book. Uh, I've got it. I've listened. I've got it. And I've read it. I've read the Saints page and there's loads of stuff I didn't know about the time. Certainly a lot of younger readers will will not know about the time him and Walter Smith got kicked out of the ground at halftime during a match, which is incredible. That was... I, I just... Yeah, I can't get my head around that. Very, very, very funny. And a lovely guy. He's a legend at every club he's been to. He's a massive massive legend at Falkirk and he's still very highly regarded at St. Johnson. Yeah, and it was obviously it was wonderful to speak to Alec, but it was nice to um hear a few few short tales there about his uh, his great pal Walter Smith, who we sadly lost last week. Very well put, Dan. And we will move on. Alec, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed that. And if you want more stories like that, as you say, uh, the cop to the Kelpies, Alec Totten's story, get get the book. It was a great read. Let's let's do this week's theme team. So, this week's theme, Dan, was the world of cricket, which was your suggestion. People found this pretty tricky. Well. But there's a lot of of cricket. That's their own fault. Well, that's your fault for picking cricket. Now, before we get to this week, we must conclude our winner of our circus-themed theme team last week. Dan, you've got the results. Sam, I've got the results. Go for it. Fourth place. Fourth place. It was a tight one as well again this week. 90% of the... We've not got a fourth place. Joint third again. Third on its own and there's a joint second. Oh, wow. So in third place, with 19% of the vote, was Human Cannon Hall. I like that. That was good, that. I like that. But a joint second, though. A joint second. <sighs> what was second? It was a tight on 21% each. Trapeze and the Clark and Cotton Candy Jackson. Brilliant. Good. Good picks. But, so we must have, working the numbers, we must have had a clear winner. It's pretty clear, I'm going to say, yeah. So with 39% of the vote, the winner of the Dog Saints theme team, Circus Week, Sean Rooney Cycle. Nice. Very well done. That was Stuart, wasn't it? Yeah, Stuart. Stuart M. On Twitter. Brilliant. Send us a message, send us your address, and we'll get a, a prize out to you. Well done. That was a great shout. Now to cricket. Some 
brilliant entries. A lot of these things had no meaning to me whatsoever. So I'll read them to you and you can fire them back and you can go, that's pretty good. Or not so good. Shall we go? Shall we just go for it? I will be the translator here. Yeah. I will be the, the cricket translator. There's a lot of these things, like I said, I don't know, but we'll start with some of these ones I don't know. Crease divine. Very good. <laughs> do you know the creases? In cricket terms or? In cricket terms. All oh, right. Uh, so it's where it is. Yeah, it's on the it's like on the pitch where the batsman stands basically. On the crease, got you. Headingly Croft, that's a place. Yes, it's a ground. Headingly Cross, that's a good one as well. They were both sent in by the same person. Uh, Yorker. Oh, very good. There's a couple. So of York you- is a type for delivery. Okay, there was a few the of them. Uh, Night Watch Manny Panther. Now Night Watchman, this is going to be a shite concept. This. Um, <laughs> Night Watchman is basically when they send in an absolute, at the end of a day's play, if someone gets out, a proper batsman gets out, to protect the next batsman, they send in an absolute numpty because nobody cares if he gets out or not. Right. Cool. Didn't know that. Right, we'll move on. The next one, Declaration Rooney. Yeah, very good. That's when a innings is declared. Good. That's a better description. Try and get it down to under six words. That would keep, we're not, we don't want to lose listeners. All the, interv- all the interviews are done now. It's just me and you talking football. <laughs> We've got Stevie Maiden over. Yep, that's when no uh, no runs are conceded off the over. Or Maiden Donker. Again, same thing. A good shout, that though. I like that. Good one. Uh, new ball toucher. Is that not a tennis oh, thing? Oh, that's good. Sorry? Is new ball thing not a tennis thing? Well, it is, but it's also a cricket thing. After X amount of overs, you get a new ball. Speaking of overs, we've got Overtaining. Very good. Uh, Bumble Thatcher. Uh, that's David Bumble Lloyd, a noted English cricket commentator. We speak well, former England cricketer and coach as well. Nice. And we'll finish off with the Runiverse boss. Yeah, the <laughs> Universe boss. I would have also expected, I would have also accepted the Runiverse Joss. Yeah, either way. As we know. The, I imagine you're going to be picking that in the. As a finalist next week. The Universe Boss, yeah, because Universe Boss is the best nickname of all time. The fact that he gave it to himself for a start. That's nice. But that's good. There were some tricky entries in that this week. I liked them all. I liked them all as well, but we will pick something. We'll pick our top four uh, for next week. Well, we mentioned tennis. Will we go into tennis? Yeah, go on. Let's go through the sports. <laughs> that's it. This week is tennis. Can you think of anything? Rafa Nadell McInnes. Nice. Nice. I'll go. That is good. Cheers, mate. Wimbledon McVicker. Lynn thinks she's doing me a disservice by putting in Lighthouse Family. I will use that to my advantage. I think it's nice to <laughs> be in Celebration Dean. I think we should just celebrate with Ocean Drive by the Lighthouse Family now. Uh, I mean, they would. Uh, Easy listening, man. I think so. We're going to see out the episode with it. That's that's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> that's been written. That's been written in the stars since I've only discovered that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, basically, you can see where we're going to go with this. We've done decades. We're now going to deal with sports, but we'll avoid rugby, as everyone should in life. <laughs> yeah. Not a big fan. We had a discussion in the pub, eh, on on Saturday. People like rugby. Not for me. Nah. I've tried to like it. I genuinely have tried to like it. I watch a couple of Six Nations matches, but each their, each their own. Oh, while I remember, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, a Saints fan who listened to the podcast on, when he was driving his lorry before the Scotland game. We bumped into him again at, in Dundee, Dakes. Um, so hi to you, mate. Um, sorry, uh, we forgot to mention it last week. But 
Really, really appreciate you listening, mate. Yeah, nice one, Dykes. Cheers, buddy. But we've got one more game before the international break and our big theatre performance. We are at home to St Mirren. Had a few good tussles against Smyrn in the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, we've seen pretty evenly matched again. Yeah, but they will fall short at some point because they, they do that. That's what they tend to do. Oh, and I also but, heard somebody pointed out in one of the group chats that Scott Tanzer had a long sleeve shirt on and he pulled it over his hands because he was cold the last match of the weekend. That's disappointing from any player. I'm glad we sold him. Yeah, can't, you can't look. Remember that photo when, I think just before the turn of events, when I think we lost 4-0 away to Motherwell. Uh, you were there that day, weren't you? <laughs> I was there that day. That yeah. was, what well, was one of the old time, die on your ass days. We were rubbish. It was freezing. Not ideal. And the big photo, I'll never forget it. It was a photo of, I think it could have been Big Beavis at the back post winning a header. And um, Scott Tanzer just basically like scrunched up eyes, shoulder, chin into his neck, just total shitbagging it. Yeah, I'd blame him for not wanting to be there, but yeah, I didn't particularly want to be there that day (laughs) at that point. So yeah, we'll move on. But but they've got a week to recover this week. There's no midweek game, so they've got their full seven days. I'd like to see pretty much the same starting lineup again as Dundee United. Yeah, um, possibly a few tweaks sort of as necessary, but nothing. There doesn't need to be anything wholesale. Don't think we're ever going to see you two retaining. I've got a good idea for another feature. You're you a machine with these tonight. What's... It's one of these ones where I thought of the name before the actual thing. <laughs> Hit me with it. Wholesale Content Corner. <laughs> <laughs> but we've already got the club shop and shame and now we're apparently we're doing shit fan merch or whatever so how <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do wholesale content what's this going to be like are we going to go around bookers and try and find tat or something like that maybe just really good like stuff people are selling like instead of like club shop and shame this is the opposite <laughs> this is wholesale content corner this is the good stuff <laughs> like good stuff like, cause, like, did you not read a little the story about the wee girl selling tote bags and just raising them for charity? And she sold about ten thousand of them. That's good. That's good, wholesome content. And that is a whole, literally wholesale content. I think we need to work on that. How have I ended up being the sensible one tonight? This doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I'm not sure how that worked. Anyway, Saint Mirren. Yes, we'll be. We're going to see you team retain. He's like a figment of our imagination. Yeah, he came on. Against Hearts, did he? Did he come on against Hearts? No, he didn't. No, he came on against Celtic. So he didn't feature against Hearts or Dundee United? No. Of course you didn't. So, I don't, I don't really have much else to say on this Simran game. I think I think we might win. I think it'll be tight. 1-0. I think it'll be tight, but I think we might win. hope Middleton, we get a good game out of Middleton. He, he just, he looks like he needs a goal. He looks like he needs something that's just gonna, just give him a little bit of a boost. Okay. And... He tried him, he played. He started at Tanadice on Saturday, he played him through the middle, which might be something he'll have to try and try and do because it looks like we are going to go with this sort of 5-3-2 formation. So, yeah, he played through the middle. He's just not, he's just not quite coming onto a game at the minute. He's a good player. He really is. It is. And it is. It's a matter of time, I think. I think so. Um, he's due to have a worldy game and I think that'll, Kick, kicks at him you forget he's still just a young lad um, as a lot of the players are on the team but we'll see what happens on Saturday I hope there's another decent a decent crowd a big turnout for St. Johnson. if they do that they'll be well up the table again which is uncharted territory for this time of the season so the, the four points in the Hearts Dunyette game were massive if not we would have been kind of we would have been struggling we'd have been getting into unwanted shenanigans really and 
the the other thing is sort of the teams that are at the bottom start picking up a few points as well. So County beating County beating Dundee five nil. Hilarious. Was hilarious. Hold on. But then Dundee came T- back. Say that again, Dan. What was the score? Dundee nil. Ross County five. I love the Lighthouse family. <laughs> You've gone from hating him to loving him in the space of an episode. Yeah, big fan, big fan. That's the fickle world of the Lighthouse family. But we will see what happens. We will dismantle the match next weekend and see how we get on with that. But we've come to the end of another show, Dan. Ah, uh, it's been a good one. It has. Top guest Alec Totten been absolutely superb. We've been trying to get him on for for weeks and it was just like as I mentioned earlier on that my, my brother-in-law had his number the whole time and failed to mention it so I don't just brother-in-law's Mike ah and uh, Robert Borthwick as well the guy full-time job deals with charity work does a podcast does a telly and he managed to take time out to speak to speak to us as well about Hearts and St. John's as well he knows Scottish football as does everybody on that show ah oh, they're so knowledgeable and you know it's just a lot of stuff that they know anyway but then a lot of hard work and research as, as Rob sort of went into so now long long may that continue for the boys indeed uh, so thank you to both Alec thank you to Robert thank you to you Dan as always and let's hope we all see you all down at Perth Theatre a week on Friday well first of all thank you as ever Sam it's, it's been lovely thanks mate and yeah it's getting a bit squeaky bum time isn't it now in this fit of malarkey just a bit sold out as well I heard jeez Louise which is a scary, scary fact. I believe it's Stuart Cosgrove's birthday that night as well. We'll have, get to, him get, a cake. We'll have to get him a cake, won't we? We'll get him a cake. I think so. We'll, be, we'll, go, we'll go full kiss arse and get him a cake. But if you want to go, there are still tickets available and we would love to see you there. One last announcement from friend of the show, Elliot Menzies, who he asks us to mention a page on the internet which is selling signed Xander Clark prints. It's a well-known Glasgow artist. So if you type in Geo... K-O Art, as a knockout, G-O-K-O Art, uh, and go to the Xander Clark section. He's, they're doing, he's done some artwork of Xander and he's personally signed them. So they're limited edition. And if you listen to this podcast, you type in the discount code Xander, Z-A-N-D-E-R, you will get a 10% discount. Tremendous. <laughs> I think that was Tremendous. It. Yeah. <laughs> On many fronts, that. Yeah, he'll, they'll also be doing ones of, I think, Liam Craig very shortly as well. But if you want a signed Xander Clark print, uh, get involved. Just go into Google and type in geokoart.com and it says Big Cartel Shop on that. So go on, have a look at that and grab yourself a wee bargain. It's an absolute belter. Get yourselves so far there. Oh, all the way there, all the way there. And thanks again. And we will leave you with this. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, shit. Yeah.